2: Um, I think what we'll see is not uh, you know a huge reflood of folks back into the dining room. It'll be very conscientious, uh, very paced, very slow, very uh, safe and comfortable for first the pit crew and also for our guests.
3: Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
0: All right, uh, welcome everybody to another week uh, as uh, we attempt to get back to normal here in Texas. Dude,
1: dude, you sound tired, man. You sound tired. That's because I've
0: been working like a maniac, man, which is, you know what? (laughs) These days, that's a good thing uh, because I know that a lot of people are not. Uh, you have stumbled upon another episode of Yolitics with uh, Jason Whiteley and uh, Jason Wheeler here. You guess which one is which. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this week we're talking all about getting back to work and the business of that and what that looks like. You just heard there at the very beginning from Laura Dickey of Dickey's Barbecue Pit. She is the CEO. They've got more than 100 restaurants around Texas. And uh, Jason, you heard her there She she knows that, you know, as we reopen things, people are not going to rush back in because there's still a lot of uh, anxiety out there.
1: I could go for one of those stuffed baked potatoes they have. Yeah. I mean, they're just salivating thinking about it. But you know what? I'm probably going to do it by takeout Mm -hmm. for a little while. I don't know if I'm going to rush back into the uh, the dining room, even though they have that soft serve ice cream, which I probably don't (laughs) need. (laughs) It's probably best Um, that you don't rush back in. Yeah, I'm still going to probably just get the uh, the to-go order.
0: You know, this really has changed us, Jason. I saw that, you know, as all these uh, different uh, states are reopening, at least partially so, I saw a survey of Americans the other day, and it it broke it down like theaters, restaurants, uh, you know, different places we can go back to. And on almost every category, the majority of people or a great plurality of people said that it would probably take them three to six months to be comfortable going back to that establishment or that kind of establishment. This is kind of a long-term thing. Uh, this has changed us.
1: Yeah, no kidding. The New York Times had an interesting article I was reading when I couldn't sleep with insomnia the other night, and it talked about countries in Asia, Hong Kong, Singapore, and places like that already gradually reopening. And in Hong Kong, tables at restaurants are spaced at least five feet apart and customers are are given bags to store their face masks Mm. in while they are uh, dining. Libraries in Hong Kong are reopening, but visitors are only allowed in one hour at a time. And in Sydney, Australia, schools are reopening in phases and they're only holding classes one day a week for a quarter, um, which is is interesting because schools is the big... um, unanswered question how that's going to happen here it's all about business right now trying to reopen the economy trying to get paychecks back to people uh you know trying to, to to restart that
0: and trying to figure out how to do it jason i was at home depot the other day i got pinned in to an aisle like they pulled the gate out and i was pinned in to this aisle and do you know why it was because we had too many people on the aisle so they the clerk came over with a flag stood there pulled the gate across and waited until a certain number of people were ready to exit the aisle before allowing anybody back into the aisle. What aisle were you in, man? I was uh, the worst aisle <laughs> of all, which is the sprinkler parts aisle, because I fixed my own sprinkler, because I put in my own sprinkler, and... Uh, it's the worst place to possibly be, and it's wow. busy there. Everybody's sprinklers are breaking, uh, so wow. you know businesses are slowly starting to figure this out. You know whether it's putting a clerk on that aisle or figuring out the logistics of this. And you know we got into that a little bit more with uh, Laura Dickey uh, a couple of days ago from Dickey's Barbecue Pit, and she was talking about you know how do we know how much to order? How do we know what to rely on here? What do we expect as far as people coming back? And of course, uh, you know, one of the big, big considerations when you're in business, Jason, she talked about profits and, you know, they're only able to open at 25% of capacity right now. And as you would imagine, uh, that doesn't really translate to being profitable.
2: That 25% isn't about making money. We're not going to be profitable investing at that level at 25% capacity you know, you've got to get to 75% or 100% before you're really profitable. So it's a different challenge, but it's a step that you need to take to make sure that everything works, that folks are safe, and that you can scale. Because, you know, really that's the, the rule in business a lot of times is nail it and then you scale it. And so I think that's what we need to do.
0: We know that the meat supply chain has been so disrupted, and that, of course, is huge to you all. What what does that look like right now, and how does that affect what you do?
2: Everyone had to take a moment of kind of that jarring reality and then settle into, okay, the pain is now. Now, what do we do next? How do we make sure that we have product? How do we um, adjust uh, forecasting demand? How do we make sure that product that's perishable, that's sitting there, doesn't go to waste? So, lots of logistical challenges.
0: What are you anticipating as far as customers go? Uh, I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, businesses can reopen again. It's a whole nother thing to entice people to leave the, the safety of their homes. A lot of people want to get out, but they're, they're sure. timid, they're, they're skittish about this.
2: Well, and absolutely. And I think, first and foremost, you know, kindness is the most uh, sustainable uh business principle there is so you have to be kind and empathetic to our guests to their challenges uh, to our pit crews so i think that absolutely is first and foremost with safety the factor and how do we make folks feel comfortable how do we absolutely communicate and show them what we're doing in our dining rooms they need to walk in and see that we have you know, hydrogen peroxide-based disinfectant that we're using all over the restaurant. They need to see that our folks are in masks and gloves. They need to see that we have hand sanitizer stations by the door. They need to see that the tables are out, but only 25% of the chairs are there.
0: All right. uh, Laura Dickey there again from uh, Dickey's Barbecue Pit, the CEO there. You know, one of the things I asked her about, Jason, uh, you know, the restaurants that they personally uh, manage right in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, a good thing they didn't have to furlough, uh, do mass furloughs or layoffs and that sort of thing. They did have to cut some hours. Uh, But, you know, she talked about the fact that a lot of these employees at other places who did get furloughed or at places where they rely on tips, you know, her place doesn't. But uh, a lot of these workers who rely on tips, they're really nervous about going back to work at 25 percent capacity because they say, I can't make even near what I made before this happened and this affects me as far as unemployment goes. You know, it's a it's a real struggle for a lot of people still.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the the other big struggle that that other companies outside of retail and outside of restaurants are having is what does the office look like when you start welcoming people back? There's a company in um, it's a nationwide company, I believe, but they have an office in Dallas It's called BKM Total Office of Dallas. These guys essentially will sell you anything Mm. that you need to start an office from chairs to cubicles to phones to, you know, cables, IT, you name it. You call this company, they'll come in, set your office up, they'll help you plan it out. And the planning of the office of the future is a big question. Do we still sit in cubicles? Do we sit in, you know, closer spaces, wider spaces or conference rooms around? Carol Roerig runs BKM Total Office of Dallas And we got her on the phone, and she surprised me with a lot of things she said. I didn't expect a lot of what she said. I figured that, you know, with so many people working from home, that her business might be pretty slow. And she said it was just the opposite.
0: Yeah, she surprised me, too, with what we can expect when we all head back to the office again. It's going to be some big changes. It's not going to look like it did before, probably. And it might not go back to the way it was before, even a couple of years down the line.
1: Here's Carol Roaring from BKM Total Office.
0: If you could, first of all, tell us uh, BKM Total Office, uh, what exactly do you do for people who aren't familiar?
3: So we help our customers create great workspaces through furnishing tools. So we help decide how it should be logistically planned, work on the specifications with them, and make sure they've got the right things to keep their offices working, and functioning the way they wanna work.
0: Okay, y'all are gonna be crazy busy uh, over these next several months, I have a feeling. And I have a feeling too, that this is going to probably look very different than what you all usually do. You're gonna be in there doing a lot of tweaks, aren't you?
3: We believe so. Right now, everyone's still trying to sort out the direction to go. And we hope that we can help all of our customers get to the right place. Now it's a dis- discerning, how do you get six foot social distancing how do you do it in a way that can work can still happen properly? What do you do with uh, places like conference rooms and things like that? And, and all of those are going to be tweaks, not only on what the setup is, but how people use it. Hmm. So it's really guiding one another in what's maybe the best way to approach the use of those rooms in those spaces now.
1: So this has blown up your business, I guess, right? You can't just go in and set up some cubicles and put IT in there and like you normally would.
3: Well, we're still doing work for some essential customers that are, you know, in the defense business or in their hospital, it works. So we've, we also furnish offices and schools, I mean hospitals and schools. So they also have some challenges that we're helping out with. So it's changed what we're going to do. But I'll say that we have lots of solutions, even for this new norm. There's lots of ways that people can create safe barriers.
1: Well, tell us about that. What are some of the solutions you anticipate that we might see in the next uh, few months?
3: First of all, the orientation of the way people sit will change. It will be rare that you'll ever see somebody sit face-to-face again. I think they'll be at 90 degrees from one another, which will help enable the six-foot social distancing. And in cases where it's too tight... There are physical barriers, basically some screens that can be put up either plexiglass that can be cleaned or some cloths that can be cleaned in ways that if somebody did sneeze or cough, there's another barrier. Most people will likely have masks on at work. So it's going to change how people work in that as well. But I do believe there's going to be a fair amount. And honestly, I think the panel that, that was the cubicle of the past is going to come back.
1: Mm. Well, wait, mm. What do you mean by that? The, the panel that was a cubicle of the past? I still sit in a cubicle.
3: Well, a lot of, a lot of companies got rid of cubicles. They mm. took away the mm. panels because they wanted to get more collaboration, which makes a lot of sense because you could see one another. It's easier to collaborate. So cubicle panels went away. Now some screens that would provide some semblance of design separation came into the place, but not necessarily high enough when you're seated that it would actually divide you from somebody. Now yeah, I was going to say, is, so
0: we still sit in cubicles, so what we're likely to see in our cubicles, because of those lower ones, what we're likely to see is a, a, a rise there, correct? Yeah, you
3: might add another screen on top so you can actually have physical distancing uh, between huh. one another. And, and it's unfortunate the collaboration is important, but it's going to just be done in a different way. In some cases, I think the pendulum had swung too far to, to make spaces far too dense in the office. And I think it was time probably to take a step back and say, wait a minute, is this really working for everyone? And I think in some cases it was, but not in all.
0: And Carol, you've been in this for a while. Uh, do you think that this is one of those things that's going to change the way we do business for the next, you know, 18 months, two years, and then we sort of drift back to the way it was before, you know, maybe there's a vaccine and we don't worry about that anymore? Or is this one of those uh, sort of sea changes that happens and it just sort of stays that way? This is, a, To me, this is a, a
3: transformative moment. I don't think we'll see us go back to exactly the things, way things were in the office. I do believe work from home will be a new pattern, but I think it'll be a blended pattern, not so much fully working at home home, but a blend of working from home and in the office. I also think where we used to see hoteling as it's called, where people share a workspace, a lot of that's gonna be diminished. So what will happen, I do believe, is there will be an increase of some space for customers, and the increase will be offset by the, the need for safety because honestly, no one ever wants to see a pandemic come back again, but it's likely it could. So why would we go back to where we were and take the risk of the safety issues for, for employees? That just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Carol, when you hear all these companies uh, having people work from home and you see the surveys, like the Dallas Regional Chamber did a survey and, and the survey said that they were going to have uh, you know, a huge number of employees continue to work for home from home or at least have that flexibility. Does that make you cringe because of the business you're in?
3: No, it does not. Because I think I think that's actually healthy. It's healthy to have a mix of of spaces that people work and sometimes family-wise, you need to work from home. There's just no question. Actually it's been going on. This is this was such an extreme pendulum shift. It will come back towards the middle. So as I said, we shifted too far in the office spaces to make them too tight. And we shifted too far in this pandemic to all work from home. The place is right in the middle. That's where the the future is. And that's always gonna need attention to make sure that it's safe and that it's clean and that it's set up properly.
1: You you talked about the screens um, that might be going up in in cubicles and the comeback of the cubicle. Are are there anything Is there anything else that your customers are asking for that they really want now or that they really need?
3: Well, there's some special things that I think will come in the future is laminates in the past. There are some antimicrobial type laminates. And I think in the past, customers weren't that interested in spending the extra money for that. But I think that actually might become something that gets another look. It was out for a while and we showed it to many customers, but they just weren't quite ready for that. So there's a place where those kinds of things might show up again.
0: Carol, how do you help people out, though, if, you know, they're in a fairly tight space? As you say, we've made a lot of these workplaces so much more dense. Uh, you know, are some people just going to have to, you know, expand their buildings? I mean, have you, have you run into that yet where you're thinking there's just no way we keep people in here six feet apart?
3: That's We're not there yet. I think this this still is studying what does six feet apart look like? What does it feel like? Hmm. And that's, that's the first step that most customers are going through now, as we're looking at their floor plans, saying, well, what does that look like? How many spaces do I actually lose when I do that? How many would I need to provide? So it takes a little bit of time to sort of, sort of reset. This is a major shift, and we're no one's going to do this shift in a minute. They're going to take a little bit of time to make sure. They're going to do a shift as quickly as they can to get people back. but. What they'll do is just take some stations and say, you can't sit here for a while. Don't sit in this office Mm. for a while. They'll take chairs out of conference rooms so they are minimize the number of people. The next step, we call that the now. Here, I would say. Then the now, going forward, a little bit down the road, we're going to see some of the screens come in. And then there's the future. And then it's looking at, okay, now what can it, what should it really look like down the future? Where is it going to stay? Because I think we're making some immediate changes to help get people back. And then there's going to be tweaks after they come back, because we'll figure out how do people work with social distancing? Will it work? And then the next step will be, so. OK, now that we've digested this, let's see what the future could really look like for that space. And how can we get the people in? And there may be you mentioned, some people that oh, have sorry, to get more space.
0: And you mentioned conference rooms and like, what do we do with those going forward? Do you think that we that this will change us in that regard too? to where, you know, right now we're having a Zoom meeting doing this? Are we going to see Zoom meetings in the office where people are in their different places in the workplace, but they're not necessarily gathered closely around a table?
3: Well, right now you'd have to, because if you had more than 10 people, you're going to have mm. to use Zoom. And you probably can't get 10 people in your conference room without with being six feet apart. So for a while, I'd say mm. this is, again, one of those immediate transitions we'll have to do. Then we'll take a look at, OK, what does it look like down the road? One of the things that may happen with meetings is there's likely going to be more stand up meetings, because when mm-hmm. people stand up, um, they can get their social distancing, they can walk apart a little bit more. And it's honestly, if people actually like working standing up. You think about how many people when they go to a bar, most people choose the bar versus the table.
1: Mm-hmm. Which we we're mm-hmm. at a bar right now, Carol. It sounds uh, <laughs> a heck of a lot better to have this conversation over a drink. Hey, so it, it sounds like that, that companies are really going to have to blow up the footprint they have of where their cubicles and desks and conference rooms are. Is, is that right?
3: I don't say blow up, it wouldn't look like a blow up today. It's gonna look like every other spot is empty for a while. And then that's not gonna feel good because it's gonna feel like somebody's missing. So then we'll take the next step and then we'll transition to that. So I don't think it's a blow up as much as it it is, just as going back to the office, it's gonna be a slow, figure it out, try it out, then move.
0: Carol, it sounds like, you know, you deal in the very physical part of this, of actually moving things and putting things in place. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of psychology that's going to have to happen with this, too, for people to be able to wrap their heads around this and get used to this and consider it normal.
3: That's what most of the time is spent on. If you're going to make employees feel safe, it's all about the psychology of it. How soon do you bring them back? In what manner do you bring them back? And then what's going to make them feel safe? That's the whole gist of this. What will make them feel safe? And that's what our focus is on. And yes, there is a lot of psychology in this.
1: Wow. Carol, is this permanent or will this kind of go away once a vaccine comes out or let's say a a cure if that were to be found?
3: You know, with what we've all lived with in the last couple of months and the profound impact it's made on our lives, I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's always going to be there. And yes, we may down the road see that people can get closer together and social distancing might, maybe it'll go away, but I don't think people are going to forget these moments and know that they better be prepared should it ever happen again.
0: Mm. Uh, a lot of workers, I think, are, are nervous right now. Maybe some of them could be described as scared right now. Carol, the businesses that you deal with, how would you characterize them right now?
3: Those employees are important. And yes, they have a right to be scared. This has been a very big shift psychologically for everyone. And I'll tell you though, there's two pieces about it. We're also social animals. We don't like working by ourselves at home. So many people who dreamed of working from home would now say, that's not really what I want to do. So that that need for connection is also compelling people to want to go back. So this is balance between safety and need for connection. And I think in the next month or two, we'll see that sort of weighing out and people will sort of get their, their feet on the ground. But it's going to need to be slow because otherwise it's just too jarring. As much, you know, it's pretty jarring just immediately go work from home. We need to make it smoother to come back to the office.
1: Hmm. Carol, that's fascinating insight um, from someone who, who does what you do. Uh, Carol Roerg from BKM Total Office of Dallas. It's i know we'll be talking to you in the future because i'm curious what the office of the future is going to look like and the the future is not going to be that far away it sounds like
3: we'll be happy to help you with it when you're ready
1: (laughs) i'm glad we got you
0: now though because i bet you're going to be super duper busy uh in the months ahead there it's what
3: we do and what we love to do so we look forward to helping our customers and anyone else out there who needs us to do a shift in the thinking and the way safety can happen in the office
0: So there you have it. Uh, When you do head back to the office uh, eventually here, we might be having standing meetings, Jason. We might uh, have that screen up to where we no longer see each other uh, in these cubicles, or we're at 90 degrees. Uh, it, It really is stunning just to think of how fast everything changed to send so many people home and how fast it's going to change when we come back how we do business.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's changing right now. I, I thought it was interesting. I asked her, you know, will companies have to blow up their, their footprint? She said, no, I'm not going to go that far and say blow it up, but it's going to look different. The stand-up meetings for conference rooms, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, companies normally spend a lot of money on those nice comfy chairs that mm-hmm. everyone can sit in around the table, but they maybe able to save a little cash right there. Um, the Dallas Regional Chamber has done a couple of surveys since all this started seven or eight weeks ago, asking their member companies what life is like and angela farley is the chief operating officer over there the number two at the drc and she shared some of the results they found in this survey some of the results are kind of surprising about what business will look like in texas especially north texas um, you know in the weeks and the months and at least the next year and a half to come Angela, thanks for the time.
4: Yeah, it's
2: great to see you.
1: Absolutely. You guys did this survey. You asked uh, all of your members how they're coping with COVID-19. You got 100 responses. What was your biggest takeaway?
4: Um, I would say for me, the biggest takeaway was one of the questions that we asked was what were their top focus areas? And we gave them a list of like 10 different things. I'm a financial person, so the financial part is, is front of mind for me. Um, So I thought it would be something around finances or around getting access to PPE or other things, but the vast majority, 85% said um, that one of their number one focus areas was employee willingness and ability to go back to work. And so we really wanted to get underneath that um, and started visiting with our, our various employers and we convened um a call with over 50 hr leaders from different companies and this is a huge area is the psychology of people going back into the workplace and so if you,
1: if you think, break break that down so i understand it too you said 85 percent were concerned about the willingness of employees to go and back ability to work?
4: and ability and ability so if you think well, it, so let me so let, let's think through it so I'm a young mom who has kids at home. I'm willing to go back to work, but I'm not able because I don't have any childcare. Or I might have an immune compromising circumstance. Or I might have an elderly person living in my home that I'm also taking care of. So all of these things are playing in and the uncertainty associated with what is the, the new workplace going to look like. So one of the things we heard...
0: And, and of- so what are they saying about getting around that? I mean, people are talking about it now. How do you build that trust again in, in people to be able to go back?
4: Yes. And so what, what folks are saying is from the HR side is communicate, communicate, communicate. Um, have a plan. Talk to your employees about it. But one of the best practices we've heard is to do what's called a reboarding. So if you think about when you were originally joining your company... You were onboarded. That's the process where you learn the company rules. What are, how do we socialize? How does this, what's our culture? So they're saying what you should do now is reboard all your employees. No, we don't shake hands. This is the way you enter. This is when you can use the cafe if you can. Every little rule of social interaction that you would have known is gonna be potentially different. And so, when, so mm. we're hearing a lot about this. How do you reboard employees?
1: Is that actually happening anywhere? I wonder. Since we're the, you know, return to work order is kind of happening now.
4: Yes. So a lot of companies are putting those together, um, and then some are putting out their best practices and sending it to others. So, Target's one of our great members. They put together an entire package for us to share for free with small retailers that could use target signage, Target's checklist. There are attestations that employees have to make every morning before they come to work of saying, I took my temperature and I don't have a fever. You know, I don't have a sore throat. I don't have, um, you know, I I, I didn't lose my sense of taste or smell. Different different things that could indicate maybe they had COVID. So every day employers are asking employees to fill that out before they ever show up for work.
0: Wow. You know, if you really haven't thought through this, it is easy to think like, why do you need to go through all of that? But I am one of these odd balls who has still been going into work every day. And I will say that the whole routine has changed and things take so much longer. You're constantly sanitizing and cleaning again after you do one little thing. Uh, And so I I can see why it would be necessary to almost go through this sort of retraining uh, and employers are gonna have to get used to the fact that employees may not be as productive at first because they're so bogged down in just dealing with the, the routine. Exactly,
2: and if you
4: don't have a standardized practice, that you share ahead of time, you're going to be adjudicating a lot of employee disputes because people have a wide range of risk tolerance, which is why I think this was the number one issue. And so somebody's going to think, oh, it's no big deal to have 20 people on the elevator, and someone will feel strongly if I'm not on the elevator by myself, then everyone else is doing something wrong. So, you, so you need to lay that out before they show up so that folks know what they're getting mm-hmm.
1: into. Well, Angela, 85% of the respondents in the survey said they anticipate allowing work from home beyond what is required or recommended by the government. So is this going to be kind of the new norm where I might work at home for three or four days a week and go into the office one or two days a week?
4: Yes, we're hearing that from employers a lot for the ones that it's possible to work from home. So you have to think about there's Two, two very different categories. If I'm a small retailer, if I'm not open, I can't survive economically. So, you know, I'm going to try to get my employees back in as quickly as possible. But if I'm in professional services or architecture or other, you know, other things, I I might be able to continue to have my employees work from home for quite a long time.
0: This might be one of those things that actually changes how we work. And and Angela, that makes me think next about the commercial real estate market. Are companies going to start thinking very differently about how much space they need going yeah, forward? Yeah,
4: so it's funny. It cuts a little bit both ways because I thought the same thing. That seems like it would really reduce corporate real estate needed. But I just got off the phone um, with one of our accounting firms. And, and so in the old world their employees especially the consulting practices they all went to clients and sat at client offices so the footprint they had for their own Mm -hmm. office was actually quite small they're now thinking we're not going to be sending all those folks out to client sites, but we still need collaboration we actually might need a bigger footprint in their home market so that so that Mm -hmm. they can have a place to go and work and not just be isolated within their
2: own home
0: And maybe do we need more space because we can't stack people on top of each other, maybe like we did before with these, you know, small desk spaces right next to each
1: other in a case like this. Exactly. Uh Angela, you you should see the size of Jason's office. So I I anticipate it's probably about the size of your office. (laughs) Well, I
3: I don't have an office. I have a
4: cubicle, so I I bet it's bigger.
1: (laughs) Then yes, then yes, we have the same size office. (laughs) Hey, uh, you you brought it up there, Angela, um, about, uh, or I think Jason maybe did, about travel and 88% of the respondents said they foresee less travel. Now, our friends at American Airlines and Southwest Airlines and Marriott and Hilton and you name it don't want to hear that. But is, is that a? do you think that's a temporary thing where they might, may not travel for 18, 24 months? Or is this something that's a, a real change that's happening to business?
4: Well, so I think they're really not going to travel, at least for that kind of time frame. And the interesting thing is, is, What's the, it's all going to be driven ultimately by what's the customer appetite to buy from you if you're not with them physically. So, so what uh-huh. we're hearing from a lot of our companies is for customers they already have and have a relationship with, that customer is willing to visit with them via one of these video chat um, mechanisms. Hmm. But new customer acquisition could be a very different story. it it, you know as you guys have probably seen yourself it's much easier when you're conversing with folks you already have a relationship with than to try to build a new relationship over video so that's the part that's yet to be seen um, as to whether or not the travel is just temporarily abated or this is really going to be a longer term trend And, and, and certainly it's not just covid that it'll be reduced for a while it's also budgets folks just can't they just can't afford to spend those business dollars for a while in that way uh, until they need to go get a new oh. customer.
0: And maybe you have to go through that whole same uh, reboarding process uh, when you start trying to talk your employees into traveling as well just because of the concerns uh, surrounding that.
1: Angela, have you had have you heard from businesses who say that they have employees that don't want to be on the elevator with other people? Yes. Really? Hmm. And, and one of the questions in here, also, uh, which had a, a huge response, is that they uh, 84% of uh, companies in, in uh, part of the Dallas Regional Chamber say that less attendance at large gatherings is likely. Yeah, and that's so, a tough
4: one for us. You know, we're in the event business, and, and bringing people <laughs> together in, in large groups is a big part of the way we operate it. Um, and so we're hoping that that's um, a temporary thing, but it is something we have to think about um, of how do you get people comfortable. And it's interesting because the risk tolerance is so different. I had a, a call on Friday with the university chancellors and presidents from all the North Texas colleges and universities. And they were saying that from a student perspective, um, you know, college students, They want to get back to school. They want to be in a residential college experience. They want to be in large groups. They want to go to football games. But then as you talk to folks that are older, they have much more reticence to to do that and are more interested in the social distancing. So, you know, there's a lot of different risk tolerances out there based on many factors.
0: You know, it's interesting, uh, and and you guys have uh, conducted surveys before, so maybe you can tell us this. But it seems like with so many of these different questions that you asked here, you got an overwhelming majority saying the same thing here eighty four percent, eighty five percent. Is that well? Normal? So that's
4: why whenever you do a survey, you know it's a hundred responses. Our membership does skew. We look a lot like DFW, so we skew heavy on professional services. We skew heavy on construction. So all the construction folks, they're already working. So you know, they're they're already going back to business retail, they're already back to business. Professional services can work from home. We don't have as many of the real, like the micro businesses or the really small businesses within our particular survey. But that's why we also want to hold these discussions with heads of HR companies, with university presidents, with other groups, so we can pressure test to see if the anecdotal evidence also tends to match up with the survey. And in this case, it really did. There, there was um, you know, a lot more concern from the older employee base or the vulnerable employee base, in, including folks with kids, um, than, than we even suspected.
1: Angela, do you expect uh, there might be job loss, job, job reduction um, in North Texas?
4: Oh uh, Yes, absolutely. Now the question is, you know, we've seen different models working with some of the consulting firms. Some of the models are saying economically, we could be back to sort of neutral in, they're saying something like 24 months.
1: Hmm. Back to neutral in yeah. 24 months. Yeah. That's incredible. This is, your, this is the second survey that the Dallas Regional Chamber has done since COVID-19 kind of upended business. What has changed between the two surveys?
4: Um, people are beginning to get a little bit more information so you know initially folks there were they, they call them um, there's known unknowns and the unknown unknowns when we very first started there were too many unknown unknowns where people couldn't even really think about modeling but as um as more information comes out more data comes out they know more about the disease they're seeing these patterns of who who's really vulnerable and folks are you know antsy to make sure that their livelihood is extended, you're starting to see behavioral changes and and a little bit more risk tolerance, and and companies are trying to work through that. And we'll continue to, to have to pivot to work through it.
0: Give us a pulse on employers right now, too. Jason asked about jobs going away, uh, potentially, uh, for years uh, before we were able to rebuild back to normal. How about businesses? How many of these businesses might not survive? Will we see a significant number of them who won't? We, um,
4: that's hard to know because it dep- depends somewhat on how much shared sacrifice there is. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of small restaurants and retailers that can't afford to pay their rent rent. So, are the landlords willing to have a shared sacrifice and abate that rent for four to six months because there's not going to be anybody else coming behind them to backfill in that rent right away? So, it, it's going to it's going to depend on toll, different tolerances that folks have to you know to, to work through that and come back through that. From a restaurant perspective, a retail perspective, I'm sure there will be some that are impacted. So far we are hearing from more of the professional services and those kinds of businesses that they've been able to continue to maintain their client relationships for now and and do their work. A lot of what we're hearing is that folks are expecting this to continue into 2021. So it's not gonna be a short term, you know, two or three month thing. It's gonna be a more extended time period for for things to ramp up. And, And we didn't talk about this yet, but for Texas in particular, the impact of the drop in oil prices has really given a double impact to us um, in a way that that's hurting us more than, than some other regions. So it's been a huge blessing for us in the past. Right now it's a it's an additional drag that we're gonna have to work out work out from under.
1: How so? The Dallas Regional Chambers, North Texas, obviously, our podcast is statewide. But how so in North Texas? I would think Houston might really have that a heck of a lot worse. Yes,
4: Houston does have it worse. But it's also um, a lot of people don't know that a lot of the oil and gas revenues help support many different things across Texas. So one of the things that oil and gas revenues help support is called the Permanent University Fund, which is money that helps build buildings for the University of Texas system and the Texas A&M system. So there won't be money for new buildings if there isn't additional money going into that fund. That's just one small example. But when you think about where we also, we have in North Texas about 6% of our economy is directly tied to oil and gas. So that part will be impacted as well, not nearly as big as Houston. But when you think about statewide receipts and, and the statewide budget, we're, we, we do have a fair dependence on, on oil and gas receipts. No.
0: Yeah, you know, they say that one out of every six jobs in Texas is dependent directly or indirectly on the oil, the petroleum industry. Do you get that sense uh, when we start to go through a crisis like this? Can you store, sort of see that unfold from where yes, you sit? Yes, it's,
4: it's true, and, and it has a bigger impact in that um, the oil and gas uh, that as an industry is very philanthropic, so there are many non-profits that are heavily dependent on oil and gas money um, to, to help them be able to do their nonprofit work. So they are very concerned about cuts in donations because money won't be coming from, from those sources.
1: Hmm. Angela, have businesses talked at all about education and how everything from kindergarten to eighth grade to, to graduating seniors are gonna be missing, you know, a couple of months of school. At the least, maybe more than that. Is there an impact on education that businesses are concerned about? Yes,
4: they're very concerned about that. Um, we do really appreciate uh, Dr. Hinojosa and Dallas ISD. They've worked really hard to pivot, as have all the other ISDs, to try to do virtual learning. But it highlights this digital divide that there are so many students that don't have access to the internet, or don't have a computer, or don't have you know the resources within their home in order to in order to learn in this. Way so it, its businesses have been trying to step in the gap. AT and T, for example, has been putting out a lot of mobile hotspots in different neighborhoods where there isn't Wi Fi available. Um, other other companies have come in. Uh, Verizon has come in doing similar things, really trying to help. Microsoft has come in, so they're trying to help close that gap. But it is it's it's a big it's a big gap, and this and this highlights it. Businesses are also concerned about. Curriculum. So you think about students are going to need these digital skills as they're coming into the workforce now. I mean, so many people had to learn how to do these video meetings and students are having to learn that. So what are those digital skills that need to be embedded in K through 12 so that kids are more ready to join the workforce? Um, And then finally, also, what about these students that are coming out into a job market that's flooded with experienced workers? So as you think about Kids that are coming with challenges, that may not have work experience, that, that may not have a lot of skills. When we were at less than 3% unemployment, it was much easier for those kids to get connected to the workforce. Now it's going, it's going to be very, very difficult.
0: You're talking about a lot of big structural things here, Angela. And I'm just curious, when you talk to other business leaders in your area and when you talk to your counterparts, uh, perhaps around the state, are we up to the challenge to be able to... To to deal with all of the things that are going to have to be dealt so
1: with. So
4: we're here. working on these big issues every day at the Dallas Regional Chamber. Our mission is to make North Texas the best place to live, work, and do business uh, in the United States. And live is now taking a big focus. You know, live in the past was arts and culture and sports, and now it's literally health and safety mm-hmm. in the workforce. Um, so we focus on those things from a policy perspective, an advocacy perspective, and really try to influence what's happening locally and in Austin and at the federal level. We work with, around the state, we work with what's called the Metro Eight, the eight largest cities. We all have chambers, and we work together to try to push for business-friendly issues and including things like infrastructure. We consider education to be a key part of the infrastructure of Texas.
1: Angela, at the end of the day, um, what's it going to take for businesses to feel comfortable having more than one person on an elevator, welcoming employees physically back into the office. Is it more testing? That's what we're hearing so much of, or is there something else out there that they really want and really need?
4: Yes, businesses are advocating for more testing. Um, I think that, that you know that's one of the key elements that will really help with um, assuaging employees' concerns. But in the meantime, we're also trying to all get access to supplies. There are shortages of basic cleaning supplies, and so that makes it difficult to do these new protocols if you don't have access to those basic supplies. That's one of the reasons companies are not rushing back. In addition to getting the employees comfortable, they also want to make sure they have the right cleaning supplies, they have the right personal protection, such as masks and other things, um, and that their buildings, if you think about it, many companies, including ours, We're in a building with lots of other companies. So there's a protocol that has to be developed by the landlords as well. So there's a lot of pieces and parts that need to come into play that folks are trying to wait and and make sure that they've got it right before they come back.
1: All right, Angela, thanks so much for the time. It's fascinating perspectives from the businesses here.
0: Wow, Angela Farley there from the Dallas Regional Chamber uh, laying out the the view from, you know, 30,000 feet uh, as to what is going on with business and workplaces and employment. Uh, Jason, you know, she had a lot of interesting things that she touched on there. But one of the things that really got me was this idea that, you know, as she's talking to businesses and as she's talking to her counterparts uh, in, in the big cities around the state of Texas, They're thinking that we may be two years away from getting back to neutral again. In other words, two years to get back to where we were before all of this began. And I can't help but think of the one and a half million plus Texans who have lost their jobs since all of this started. And that has to just strike fear in the hearts of so many people to hear that, that this is going to be perhaps a very long drawn out process here.
1: Yeah, and the survey that they took, my biggest takeaways from the survey, less travel, same office space, more work from home flexibility for those who are still employed, less attendance at large gatherings, and less in-office meetings. So they're not going to be bringing customers in or going to customers. Um, one thing she did say, at some point, they're going to have to get new customers mm-hmm. if they lose customers. So that's going to be the big um interesting point on how they physically do that how do you go get a new customer doing it by zoom you might not be able to sell yourself or sell your product as much as you probably want to or as well as you could if you're doing it in person but you're gonna have so, to you're
0: gonna have to adjust to that aren't you i mean it's just like not yeah. being able to walk up to somebody and give them a hug or a handshake and sit down and have a meeting and talk over coffee you know two feet away i mean right customer and, and, and- seller are gonna have to get used to this
1: and the the largest number, I think, that they had was 88% of companies said they foresee less travel. For North Texas and for Texas, that means fewer flights on United, Southwest, and American. Mm-hmm. That means fewer hotel stays. That means fewer restaurants taking clients out. That means fewer servers at those restaurants tending to those clients and those customers. it's It's a huge chain reaction. And it looks like it is going to stay for a while. Two years just to get back to neutral, just to get back to where we were in February. There, there is, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to think where we are and how long it might take to get to return to, you know, what we had.
0: It is like the latest mind-boggling little piece dropped on the pile of mind-boggling pieces uh, <laughs> that we have uh, created here in these last several months. A lot to think about there. Um, Hopefully you got something out of that. There were a lot of interesting tidbits uh, from all three uh, of our guests today. And um, we thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen to us. Please uh, rate us uh, and follow us uh, on there so that you get this podcast every Tuesday.
1: Y'all hang in there, and we'll uh, talk to you next Tuesday.